Welcome to PCA One-on-One, Positive Coaching Alliance's podcast series where we talk with leading experts about how to develop better athletes, better people through sports. Hello, everyone. Marty Reed here, and I'm extremely excited to be speaking with Brandon Crawford, the shortstop of the 2014 Major League Baseball Champions, the San Francisco Giants. Uh, he is a highly decorated athlete on and off the field, only in his mid-20s, already a two-time World Series champion. He's the first shortstop to hit a grand slam in a Major League Baseball postseason game. And speaking of grand slams, Brandon's first career at that in the Major League was none other than a grand slam. And before his professional career in baseball began, he played shortstop for the UCLA Bruins, where he was a two-time MVP. You know, Brandon and I share the same alma mater. I'm also a Bruin, but unfortunately it came in the UCLA the year after Brandon was drafted. But I did have the pleasure of playing softball at UCLA with his younger sister, Amy Crawford, who is one of my best friends still to this day. And I've gotten to know the whole Crawford family, just a great group of people. And it's, it's no surprise that Brandon is what we at Positive Coaching Alliance call a triple impact competitor, the one who's impacting himself, his teammates, and the game as a whole. So it's such an honor and a privilege to speak with Brandon today. Brandon, we're so lucky to hear some of your story and some of the insights uh, that we believe truly will impact those involved with youth sports across the nation. So thank you so much for joining us today, Brandon. How are you? No problem. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Good, good. Now, you know, our PCA corporate office is actually in Mountain View, California, and we have so many Giants fans within our organization. Uh, can you just start off by sharing with us the personal significance for you to play for the San Francisco Giants specifically? Uh, well, I was actually born in Mountain View, <laughs> uh, the Mountain View Hospital. Um, I grew up uh, probably 20, 30 minutes south of, of San Francisco, so I grew up a, a huge Giants fan. Um, my dad had season tickets at, at the old park at Candlestick, uh, I think, even before I was born. Um, so, I mean, when I was a baby, I was going to Giants games. So I, I grew up a big big Giants fan, even even after I moved across the Bay to the East Bay, kind of A's country. I, was, I still uh, stayed loyal to the Giants and um, was, still a, was still a big fan. So uh, just being able to play, just being able to be drafted by them, uh, let alone playing in, in the major leagues with them, was, was a dream come true. That is so awesome. That's so powerful. I think there's a picture of uh, you guys circling the Internet when you were like four or five years old with your giant shirt on at the stadium, and now today you're playing shortstop for that team. That's so awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the 2014 season. I mean, obviously you and your team closed it out very well. Um, how do you account for the giant success and the absence of what some might call a truly star-studded lineup? Um, I, th- I think we just played well as a team. Uh, we all just kind of came together. We all had um, the same same kind of mindset that we we're all uh, out there playing um, for the man next to you. Um, and nobody nobody got too big of a head or anything like that. Nobody was a, was an individual, and, and we just came together as a team. Um, and I, I mean, I think some of the guys on our team are probably a little underrated. Uh, you know. They, Say it's not a quote unquote star studded lineup, but I mean we have guys like like Buster Posey who's who's won 
the MVP rookie of the year, all kinds of awards, and then uh, Hunter Pence, uh, uh, Pablo Sandoval. Um, but I mean, those are those are guys that you would, I think you could you could probably classify as, as star uh, star baseball players. So I mean, I think our, our team was probably a little underrated our lineup, um, but uh, but I think we all had had a good mindset um, out there to to win for each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, I definitely agree. I mean, it seemed like many of the Giants were just great teammates with each other. Everyone's working together and picking each other up. Uh, can you talk about the impact of those players like Buster Posey and Hunter Pence and Pablo Sandoval out on the field as well as in the locker room? Yeah, uh, all, all three of those guys are, are a little bit different um, in, in kind of how they lead. Buster's um, more of a more of a quiet kind of lead by example um, kind of player, uh, kind of leader. I mean, um, he uh, he uh, he'll speak up when he when he needs to. You know, when there's when there's something that needs to be said, maybe when it's like we're going through a slump or if there's a big game um, in the playoffs, something like that, he'll he'll kind of step up and and say something. But for the most part, he's more of a um, more of a lead by example. Just plays the game right. Um, he, I mean, he's a, he's a catcher, so he obviously manages the game um, pretty well back there. Um, and then there's there's Hunter, who's more of a, a vocal, gets you fired up, almost kind of like a football mentality uh, on the field as well as in the locker room. Um, I mean, he he got some some pretty big recognition, I think, um, from the uh, from the speeches that he had during the 2012 postseason run. And uh, he didn't get as much airtime, I think, this year, but. Uh, he he gave some uh, some pregame speeches um, this past postseason also, and he just he just gets everybody fired up and um, kind of gets your your mindset um, thinking in the right direction. Um, then the, there's a guy like Pablo who's kind of just out there and and just having having fun playing baseball, which is which is really what we should be doing. You know, it's I mean it, it is still a game. It's our it's our jobs, but it, it is still a game and it it should be fun. Yeah. You're so right. So um, tell me a little bit about how the Giants make rookies feel welcome when they're brought up. And also, what is your take on hazing? <laughs> um, we uh, we do a pretty good job of, of uh, getting to know, I think, getting to know everybody in spring training. Um, so when a rookie comes up, we, we pretty much already know the guy. Um Every once in a while, there's an example like uh, like Matt Duffy this year, who he was he had never had a big league spring training invite before. So I mean, he had been called up I think a few times for for some like split squads during spring training, but but not too many people actually actually knew who he was. So um, that was a little bit different. But I mean, we we still welcomed him up with open arms, you know, any way any way to help the team win, and he he actually did that for us this year. But um, we, uh, I think we do a pretty good job of, of welcoming and making making them feel welcome um, right away. I know I felt like that when I was a rookie. Good, uh, good. And then hazing, the, the hazing part. Um, we we don't do a whole lot, and I think it's it's just more it's more fun. It's nothing bad or anything like that. So <laughs> we we usually just have the rookies dress up in some kind of funny costume or something like that um, when we're going on a road trip, and it's. Everybody has a good time with it. Good, good. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, you'd be surprised at how many 
you know, issues come up about hazing across the nation, especially at the high school level. You know, so it's important for people out there to just know the negative impacts of hazing on a team as well as an individual. It's good that you keep it, um, keep everything clean and everyone enjoys, you know, hanging out with each other and getting to know each other. We keep it. We keep it real light, and, and just everybody has a has a good time with it. We don't force anybody to do anything they don't really want to do. Good, great. This is some good info. Thank you. Um, so now you had some great clutch moments this postseason. I mean, hello, Mr. Grand Slam. What <laughs> do you use in clutch moments that helps you to perform so well while staying under control? Um, I, I really don't think I do anything different um, in the the clutch moments uh, compared to just you know just another at bat. I, I try and take try and take every at bat like it's like it's just another at bat. Really, whether it's the whether it's the postseason with the bases loaded or if it's you know in middle of June with nobody on and two outs, I try and I try and hit the ball hard or or uh, make a play or whatever the case may be. Um, no matter what the situation is, so I think I think that may that may be um, why I've gotten some some clutch hits or made some clutch plays uh, because I just try and take it like it's like it's just another play. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know that you know the best athletes are the ones that can perform at the same level no matter what type of stage they're on. So mm-hmm. thank you for that advice as well. Um, now, on the other side of it, you know, we all know baseball and softball is a game of failure. We fail more times than we succeed. How do you pick yourself up after an error um, or a mistake? Um, yeah, I mean, baseball and softball are, are tough in that way. It's it's definitely a game of failure, so, you know, you know it's going to happen. Um, but personally, I just I just tell myself that, you know, that it's happened before and everybody does it. and. Um, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen very often. Where if it's if it's an error, or you know, or maybe you strike out in the clutch situation, or something like that, you you uh, you hope that you'll you'll get another play, or you'll get another chance, and you know that you've you've done it before. You know, you've made a bunch of plays before, you've gotten a bunch of hits before. So you just tell yourself that you know that it's going to happen next time, and don't worry about uh, the mistake that you just made. Nice, nice. Now, do you have any like mistake rituals? I know some people like pick up the dirt and like kind of kick it around or something, or maybe take off their batting glove. I don't know something uh, unique that you do after a mistake. Uh, I don't think so. Not that I do consciously, anyway. <laughs> um, you know, if it, if I if I make an error or something, maybe I'll, I'll rub the dirt or something with my cleat. But no, I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I do anything um, different after an error. Or if it was, or if it was a play that I made, I don't, I don't really think I do anything different. Okay. Now, when you first came up to the league, I think you're really known for your defense. Now, what did you do to work on the other parts of your game? Um, yeah, when I got called up, I was definitely, I knew I was there um, to play defense. I mean, I had, I had hit well in in single A where I, where I was um, rehabbing a broken finger. Um, um, in spring training, but uh, but I knew I was there to, to play defense. So there was a spot that that needed to be filled with a couple injuries. So um, I you know I, I went in there and, and told myself you know play defense and, and you know if you can add anything 
um, offensively, that'd be great. But um, as it, you know, as the years went on, and um, you know, every offseason, I wanted to get better at my offense, um, and so it was something I always, I always worked pretty hard on. And then even during the season, I'll work hard with with our hitting coaches to uh, to improve my swing or my approach any way I can. Um, and I think you you constantly have to do that as a baseball player because you know the game's always changing. The pitchers will will find your weaknesses or they'll come up with some new pitch you know that that uh, that nobody's seen before and um, it, it's definitely a game of adjustments. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, not many players have won the World Series and can call themselves MLB champs, but you, my friend, have won it twice. Tell me about your experience winning your first World Series championship with the Giants back in 2012 and how it compares to winning the second one in 2014. Um, in 2012, thinking back on it now, it kind of seemed like a, like a blur. Like it, it was – it just it happened so fast and – you know, it was it was my first full season in the in the big league, so I didn't really know what to expect. And um, it, I mean, it was obviously a dream come true. I mean, that's that's what I that's what I grew up wanting to do is is play for the Giants and you know hopefully win a World Series for them as you know as the starting shortstop. That's that was my goal when I was a little kid. So um, it was definitely a dream come true, and um, it was it was awesome to be a part of it. But this year this year felt a, a little bit different. Um, I uh, I tried to kind of take it in a little bit more, you know, it was my it was my third full season this time. Um so I kind of knew what to expect with crowds and um kind of the uh the intensity level to a certain extent um once you get into the postseason and um back in in 2012 I was I was probably a little bit more nervous every game which not not necessarily nervous I was going to fail but just nervous just cuz of the the big stage that that we were on. Whereas this year, I, I I didn't really feel that as much. So I don't know if it's just uh, you know being up for for a third full season now with a little experience under my belt um, made me made me feel a little bit better. I think, but um, but then uh, then we get to the World Series and it was a whole new type of intensity. So it was almost like like doing it all over again. Because um, uh, in in 2012 we we won in four games and you know I, I don't think anybody really expected us to do it. Um, and this year, nobody expected us or the Royals to be there. So um, the fans were definitely into it every game, and um, you know it, it was it was back and forth. We we ended up winning in seven um, instead of four. It was just a it was such an intense atmosphere and, and so fun to be a part of. Yeah, definitely, it was fun to watch for us. So um, now I want to talk a little bit about uh, your experience in youth sports. I mean, in high school, you played basketball, baseball, and you were the starting quarterback for your football team. So you must have been the man. <laughs> Who was your favorite coach growing up during your time in youth sports and why? Um, thinking back on that now, um, I probably wouldn't have thought this back then, but <laughs> uh, it was probably my dad. Um and you know he was always he was always the hardest on me being you know being his son and um, you know wanted to kind of make an example out of me you know because he wanted he wanted me to work the hardest because um, because he wanted he wanted what was was best for me obviously and I think I think coaches that are like that are are usually your best ones so the ones that that want the best for you and are uh, you know are going to do whatever they can to to help you get better. 
um, and and that's what he was for me. So, um, you know, thinking back on it now, it's like, man, like, Dad, get off. You know, I get off my back. But but now thinking thinking about it now, it it, uh, it was definitely worth it. Yeah. Well, your parents are saints, so I wouldn't believe you if you said anything bad about them. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I had a crazy softball dad who would like yell instructions at me while the pitch was coming. So I know how passionate right. parents can be. But yes, yeah, yeah. looking back on it, knowing how much of an impact that they made, didn't really realize it too much back then. But looking back on it, yes, I do understand. I can relate to that as well. Now, after your time in youth sports, you had a big decision to make, and you made a great one, I might add, in my biased opinion. How did you end up picking UCLA? And um, did you ever think about skipping college and going straight to the pros? Um, I uh, I never really – I don't think I really thought about it um, a whole lot until um, probably my my senior year of high school where, um, where professional scouts had, had contacted Either me or my dad, and um, I actually got a. I actually worked out at the first time I ever played at at uh, AT&T Park was um, uh, like a pre-draft workout um, for for amateur players to come in and you know take batting practice, take ground balls. I think there was a little like uh, like inner squad kind of thing, um, and the the scouts are all up there watching you um, before the draft starts. So that was actually my first time ever playing on AT&T. Uh, as a senior in high school. So I think um, when I was getting a couple of calls like that, it was the first time I really thought about um, possibly going straight to professional baseball, but it, it would have had to have been um, kind of uh, life-changing money for me to, to have to, to yeah. skip out on college. Um, and uh, I ended up actually not even getting drafted. Um, I think my, my dad scared all the scouts away when he said that it was <laughs> going to have to be first first rounder or I'm not gone. Um, so I ended up not getting drafted, and you know, fortunately, I had a great, uh, you know, a great, great place to go to in UCLA. Um, and uh, my my junior year, um, I was contacted by a lot of colleges. Um, could have gone to uh, quite a few different places, but um, it actually came down to uh, to Georgia Tech and UCLA. So uh, <laughs> both sides of the country. Um, but uh, but made my decision in UCLA because you know you can't beat the the location only you know a five hour drive hour flight from from my hometown and um, the uh, the athletics obviously there and the education is great so um, I, I figured it was it was a, a place I couldn't really pass up. Yeah, awesome. Well, born. <laughs> um, at PCA, you know, we believe it's it's not just about what you coach but how you coach. And that's why we introduced the double goal coach, one whose first goal is winning and competing, and the second, more important goal, is teaching the life lessons that you can learn from the game. So um, what is the biggest life lesson sports has taught you thus far? And or how, how has sports made you a better person? Um, well, it's I, I think it teaches a lot of – a lot of life lessons. It's it's hard to really point a finger at, at one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've grown up playing sports, and um, 
you know, it's it's kind of it's probably molded me into the person I am today. So it's hard to say re- really when I changed, but I think it's it's just be it's just made me more patient, especially playing baseball. You know, it's a it's a long season, it's a long grind. Uh, you know, there are a lot of ups and downs, so you just have to kind of you know wait it out sometimes. And uh, you know, I think it kind of keeps me on a on an even keel, never really get too too up or too down about anything. Um, and I, I think that's a huge part in baseball. And then you know, it's a it's a big the big thing um, in life. You know, you you don't want to you don't want to get too too excited or too too down about about anything. I think. And um, you know, if you just kind of keep a keep an even keel and. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think that's it's worked out for me anyway. Uh, I I think uh, I think baseball has uh, really contributed to that, and you know, and just sports in general. Yeah, definitely. I noticed uh, when you're out there playing, you you do a great job at controlling your emotions and kind of uh, just keeping that same straight face, whether you just hit a grand slam or I don't know whether something didn't go your way, and that that just it's intimidating. <laughs> You know, being an right. opponent or playing against you, that that can be very intimidating. So um, it's awesome to just watch you play. Now, I, I can't let you go without asking this last question. You know, you have a beautiful wife and the, and the two cutest little girls I've ever seen. I'm Thank sure you. your daughters will probably end, end, end up playing youth sports one day. I think I even saw one of them has already started gymnastics or something. But my <laughs> question is, what type of coaches do you want for your daughters? Um, I mean, probably probably the ones that were uh, like like I was talking about with my dad, the ones that you know that really that really care about the uh, care about the player, and you know, and then want want them to get better and want what what's best for them. You know, if, um, whether it's whether it's in in sport like a uh, baseball or gymnastics or anything like that, you know, you always want uh, what's best for what's best for the athlete. So I, I want I would like my daughters to have a, a coach like that, that that really cares about them and not, you know, obviously you want to win and, and do all that, but you know, just look out for look out in their best best interest. Awesome, great. That is definitely something that we talk about here at Positive Coaching Alliance, making sure that, you know, winning and competing is an important goal, but making sure we're developing the character of the athletes and really focusing on their best interests. So thank you so much for sharing with us today, Brandon. Uh, You know, you've shared some great tips and tools and a true success story that will inspire many young athletes across the nation. So thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I've had – a great time speaking with you today and on behalf of Positive Coaching Alliance. You know, we truly appreciate your time and um, we wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. All right, no problem. Thank you. Thanks Thank for having me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of PCA One on One. Be sure to visit positivecoach.org to download more podcasts.